0: So today's title is a little weird, and I didn't put it up, only because, and I shared this, that uh, these stories that are kind of in between the last day's prophecies, they're just so great, I didn't want to miss them. And they have a little to do with end times, but more so, just how to live. And as I already said, this king was in a place where he really needed an attitude adjustment. All right, and how many know God has a plan for you? Yeah, right? He has a purpose for your life. He didn't just breathe life into you, set you loose, and and just figure, well, whatever happens, happens. That's not how it is. God does intervene in the lives of his people. Now, he will not make you choose him, But he will certainly, and this is going to be bore out in today's message, he will certainly work on you to get you there. Right? And let's face it, some of us kind of need a kick in the pants. How many can say amen? Amen. And that's from experience, right? Right. So God intended, and and I want to call him. I'm talking about King Nebuchadnezzar, but I want to call him King Nebo just for the sake of ease because Nebuchadnezzar's too long. So he isn't here to correct me, so it's King Nebo from here on. God wanted King Nebo to achieve great things, and and I don't have time to get into all of the stuff that he did, but he built a garden for one of his wives, that was so big, they called it the seventh wonder of the world during that time. He built a mountain in the desert. Now see, he had free labor, so he didn't have union guys going, that's going to be 56 bucks an hour. The king was able to say, hey, take that hundred men right there, get them over here, I want a wall built. I want a garden put up over here. And that's what he did, and they, they actually somehow got water to the top of this mountain so that it filtered down and watered the plants. That's pretty cool, in the middle of the desert. What do you think people said about the king? Woo-hoo. We talked about this last week, didn't we? When he did the statue thing, right? The 90-foot statue Ooh, what kind of king would be able to do this? Well, everything he did was like this. He just wanted to be the biggest, the greatest, get the most wow out of it. Because that's the kind of guy he was. But as we'll see in Daniel 4, King Nebo had some lessons to learn from the Most High God, the God of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He needed to learn how to surrender. And I'm borrowing that word from him. Since you started it. But it's it's the same thing. We need to submit to the Lord. Period. Until you yield to Him, until you humble yourself and yield to God, you are a mess. And your destiny will not be fulfilled as God planned it to be. Because without Jesus, you will not be in heaven. Your name will not be in the book of life. But with Jesus, all that and more is going to be yours. Hallelujah. The king had to learn this. Listen to this. Verse 2, and this is very unusual for a king to write his own. He's, tell, he's being a tattletale on himself. He's telling all about his mistakes in this chapter. This doesn't happen. All right. What does this show us? Thank you. He was being humble. He was saying, I messed up. Anybody else? Anybody else find themselves in that place where you have purely messed it up? Listen, to the world, it appeared that this guy was all that. Like I said, he had a garden. They named the seventh wonder of the world for crying out loud. He thought he was all, he had a statue 90 foot tall, nobody else, and it was had gold on the head. It would shine in the daylight. I didn't mention that last week, but think about it. You'd be coming across that desert and, whew, wow, what is that? Whoa. And you'd be thinking, this guy's amazing, in the world's eyes. But how does God look at this stuff? Thank you. And this is Boral and in, in one of his sons, David. right? And by that I mean his children. King David. David was a man after God's own heart. We need to be the same. But I'm not getting into David's life today. In verse 2, the king said this, It is my pleasure, or it seemed good to me, to share this with everybody. How Yahweh... And that's what they called them back then. They they removed, the Israelites removed the vowels, but we pronounce them, Yahweh. And it's Y-A-H-W-E-H. How he worked in the king's life, he wanted everybody to see this. King Nebo originally relied on all these gods, little g. And he wanted them to know that now there was only one true God in his life. Hallelujah. But he had to do some amazing things to help Nebo grow up. The Lord had to get his attention first, and we're going to see that. Here are a few things that the king shared in chapter 4. I'm not going to read all the verses. First, the king had to have another dream. He likes having dreams. Any any dreamers in here? All right. And maybe, maybe or maybe not, maybe you contribute them to God, maybe you don't. But obviously this king felt like all his dreams were something, which doesn't surprise me because he thought he was all that. All right. And as a result, what did he do? He, he first he called all his advisors out. For some reason, Daniel wasn't amongst them. But he called the astrologers, the magicians, the enchanters, and he said, "Look, this is, this is the dream. Tell me, what's it mean?" And what did they tell him? Same thing happened last week when we read from chapter 3, didn't it? King had a dream. What happened? Nobody could. Oh, that was in chapter 2, sorry. That was two weeks ago, or whenever it was. What? You know when I said it. You know when we studied that. So the king is it this place again where he calls on all these men that he's paying for, he's feeding them. They're raising their families on their income. And once again, they can't help. Which shows the im by Im- saying that right, impotence of impotence of little gods, little G-gods. These guys had no power. They couldn't see the future. They made it sound good. Sometimes they used drugs, sometimes they used black magic, meaning, you know, they supposedly could talk to the dead and all that good stuff. Not good stuff, that's the wrong word. All that stuff. My point is this, could any of these guys help the king? Who did the king have to call on? Daniel. Why? Because Daniel served Yahweh, God, number one the utmost and his highest. And he's the only one that knows the future. He's the only one that isn't a counterfeit. That's what the rest of these people are. They're counterfeits. They try to sound like they're godly, but they are not. Once again, Daniel is summoned. By the way, the king called him Belshazzar. Daniel was known as Belshazzar in Babylon. Babylon. I like the name Daniel because it's a lot easier to say. The second thing, the king wanted everybody to know about the signs and wonders that he had witnessed. Now, of course, this came from what? What happened last week, remember? The fiery furnace. That was in chapter 3, I remember. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fire because they didn't worship his statue whatever it was god uh, his god i think marduk probably but there was something that happened he threw those three men in his guards who threw them in burned up and while those three men are in there the king peers in there to see how they're cooking and what does he notice wait a minute one of them burst into twins no, his, his exact definition was, I see what looks like a God. Who do you think that was? We've already contributed that to none other than Jesus Christ, who was known to venture into the Old Testament at times. All right? Before he came as the one, the Lamb of God. All right. Daniel 4, 3. How great are the signs? This is the king saying this. How great are his signs? How powerful his wonders? His kingdom will last forever, his rule through all generations. What a difference from a guy that had plural gods to this God. And who does this sound like if it doesn't sound like Abba, Father? <laughs> God's kingdom. I'm pretty sure that's, I don't know if God gave him a prophetic vision of what heaven was going to look like but that sure describes it, doesn't it? Hallelujah. Third. King Nebo described how the Lord had to humble him. He reduced him to a living animal. Something like an oxen where he went out and he began eating grass. Did you know that there's a term for this psychological phenomena? I put it up there, lysanthropy. And that's a person that acts like an animal. And this is actually where we get our myth of the wolf man kind of thing. Uh, People still run around trying to bite each other. I know it's weird. King Nebo had Lysanthropy for seven years. Some of the early manuscripts suggest that his nails were so long and his hair was down to his waistline. I mean, he looked pretty crude. Well, who wouldn't if you're out there eating uh, grass? And apparently that's good for the nails just saying but after that seven years had passed the Lord did what he said he was going to do he restored the king to his rightful place and he even doubled his prosperity if that was even possible so what can we take away from chapter 4 today? What, what can you and I apply to our own lives? First, King Nebo considered it a pleasure, say pleasure, a pleasure to share what God had done in his life. The same should be true for us, for you and me. If, if even before we're born again, we should be able to say, oh, what a God. You know, because all creation screams, I am real. And forgive me if this is you, but it, only an imbecile would look at everything around us and try to describe it as it happened by chance. That was my flesh. So the, here's the thing. What, what, what has God done in your life? What has He done in your life? How has He corralled you? And, and I use that word intentionally. I picture a, a strong-willed horse. Maybe, maybe uh, one of those free-spirited range roamers that nobody had tamed yet, and God gets a hold of it, or the cowboy gets a hold of the horse and and brings it into the corral. What's he doing? He's he's trying to give it purpose. Not just to run around out there, but to actually be able to do something with all that power, all that horse power. God corrals us. And and he gets us moving in the, the direction that he made us for. That's what I'm trying to get across here today. I hope it's making sense. We all have a righteous path to follow. And God wants us to take that righteous path. But here's the thing, we forget, we, we sometimes think, well, you know, God moved in my life, in my life, this is me, in 1981, April 1981, God got a hold of norm. But what I forget is, how many times did he try to adjust my trajectory back back when I was 16? Sitting in the mall parking lot trying to kill myself with drugs. Huh? I don't think about that. I, I went unconscious for four hours. And when I came to, I went, holy I can't do this anymore. But I didn't attribute that to God, but was it God? I believe it was. He saved my life. I probably should have died right there. We don't think about all those moments because we don't know it was God, but it probably was, just like with Nebo. Nebo. You don't just wake up one day and go, Oh, I think I'm going to turn to the Lord. No, God's been working on you. The Holy Ghost has been... He's, he's, he's got your number. And I'm going to talk more about numbers at the end of this. But right now, I just want you to understand the Holy Spirit works in us each and every day. And He tries to get us to move in the direction... And I use the word trajectory because... if How many know if you get off track over here, you're going to be way off on the other end, right? It can be degrees. If if the moon shot, if they shoot that rocket up in space, and if it's off by a degree, it's going to miss the mark by hundreds, if not thousands of miles. God knows that. He knows where you're supposed to land. And he wants to help you, but the problem is we don't let him. We just keep going through this life stupefied. (laughs) wonder what I'll do today. We forget to ask, hey, God, what do you want me to do today? Wouldn't that be a simple uh, question to ask? ask the Lord? Hey, God, what do you want me to do today? You see, the king went through so much of his life without acknowledging that God was the true God. And as a result, the Lord had to intervene. And the king saw it as a pleasure to testify. To testify. Why do we do that? Why do we testify? To give God glory. Thank you. To show others the power of our God. The love of our God. Listen, we think, Why would God make Nebo graze for seven years? That's, that's so inhumane, literally. But we stop, we must stop and think about it and say, that wasn't inhumane. That was mercy. Amen, brother. That's right. That's right. It's what it took to get this royalness out of this man where he would begin to look up and say, everything I am, everything I have, my kingdom, my family, it's all because of him. And that's what God wanted him to do, to acknowledge him. So was what God did inhumane? No. And he gave the king a story. What's your story? What has God done in your life? And do you tell others what he's done for you? Two, God had to reduce King Nebo to living like an animal before he overcame his own pride. He had to learn to surrender, as Greg said. Word to self don't hold on to pride. You don't don't want to be grazing like an animal. Don't be like Nebo. Everybody say, don't be like Nebo. When the king finally recognized that Yahweh, the Most High God, was like no other god, little g, he was restored as king. And as I said, his kingdom doubled. God was merciful to King Nebo when he reduced him to living like an animal. It actually saved the king. That's known as grace. Grace. God does similar things to get our attention. In Hebrews, we read that, have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those who he hates. Oh, oh, did I say that wrong? For the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes each one he accepts as his child. God has a plan for you. If you're too boneheaded to do it God's way, he's going to try. He's going to try to get your attention and get you moving in the right direction. I don't know what it's going to take to get you there. I haven't ever seen God do this with a person where he made them go graze for seven years out in the open field. But I'm certain that he still operates like this. Number three, indirectly, King Nebo shared how God watches everything, and this should scare you. I'm getting there. Man, you, you know when I want you to input, I will ask, no, I'm messing with you. Dave said, the fear of the Lord. Amen. God knows, God knows all things. Romans 8, 28. <laughs> we know that God causes everything to work good for the good of those who love God and are called according to what? <laughs> it's got to have a purpose. Hmm. Guess so. Chapter 4 reveals how the king's pride was his downfall, but by God's grace, Debo came to his senses. Listen to what he said in Daniel 4.13. Again, this is the king saying this. Then as I lay there dreaming, I saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. Ooh. How many would like a messenger to show up in your dream? Or, I don't know. I, I don't want this kind. Because this is where he's getting a spanking. The messenger was sent to, by God to tell the king that he, he was lacking. He was lacking. The word messenger, and I, I love this because I didn't know this until I recently studied it out, but it literally is rendered one who is awake. <laughs> and it has symbolic connection to angels, all right? So this is an angel. Angels don't sleep. They're always watching over you. We all have guardian angels today. That should scare you. What kind of things are you doing? And the messenger of God is right there watching. Hmm. Makes you think. Makes me think. The angel told the king, because he had not acknowledged God as his source, this my paraphrase, that his kingdom was going to be removed. Verse 17, the king said, For this has been decreed by the messengers. It is commanded by the holy ones, so that everyone may know that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world. That was the emphasis behind this dream was that everyone needed to know that the Most High ruled the earth and all of the kingdoms, and that included the king. After Daniel tells the king about the dreams, meaning, and and I love this, he said to King Nebo in verse 27, he said, King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. Now, this is the king putting this in here. I already said it. He's telling on himself. He's a tattletale. And he wants everybody to know, I messed up big time. This guy tried telling me what to do. And what did he do with it? He ignored it. He didn't listen to Daniel. He kept doing the things that he had done, and it was about a year later when he... Oh, that that, that hurts more every week. Another reason I'm glad I'm not Nebo. Nebo. Hallelujah. The king did not listen to the dream. He didn't listen to his friend Daniel. By the way, for Daniel to say what he said, he had to have had a soft spot for this guy. He had to have had, or he wouldn't have said it. He would have just said, ha, can't wait to see this. But he tried to get the king to repent. And I wonder if the reason that King Nebo didn't yield was he was throwing the gauntlet down. I've heard people say this. Yeah, I dare God. Don't ever dare God. You know what? God's never done anything good for me. Why would he start now? Isn't that the same thing? You're throwing the gauntlet down. You're saying, hey, I don't believe you. I don't believe you even exist. I've heard people say that. That's what the king was saying here. My perception. The result was God's axe was laid at the root of King Nebo's tree. And this is all symbolic in the dream. And his kingdom was going to be removed from him. What can we learn from this? First and foremost, recognize that the Lord sees everything we do. We are going to be held in account someday. He has expectations for you, for me. Things that we need to do, things that are right, righteous, that he wants us to do. And he'll help us get there if only we ask. But if we don't, we may experience correction, discipline, as the writer of Hebrews said. You may think, well, it's my life, what's God have any business getting into it for? (laughs) We all need to get to that place, like Nebo, where we get rid of that human pride, where we surrender. I know you've seen it on the cop shows. Put them up. What do we do when we worship? Put them up. What are we really doing? Thank you. So those of you who sit out there week after week, put them up. I don't mean to pick on anybody. I know some of you, your arm's glued to you. Not in the notes. (laughs) We have all been given the gift of life from God. Every day is numbered. (laughs) That's where I get into the numbers. God generously gives us so many days to live our life, to bless others. And whoo, here we go again. I'm sitting in the back and I'm watching. Cheryl Lynn's over here. She's got our grandson, our joint grandson, Corbin. And and she's over here just smooching on him and worshiping God with him in her arm, kissing him again. And little Corby's over there. And then I look in the back, and I see it right now. She's back there smooching on him and worshiping the little dude, and and he's staring at me right now. And where was I going with that thought? Oh, the days are numbered. (laughs) They are doing what God designed them to do, to influence our children with God's love and to show them how to worship the king. They're not sitting back there doing this. They're doing this, and that little guy mimics. Two weeks ago, I saw Austin and Brittany's little son, and this was in a video. Somebody videotaped the, their son. How old is he? year and a half. He's back in that chair, and they're behind him, and it took a minute to get there, but all of a sudden, he did this. And it just floored me because you and this church were showing our children how to yield to the king. It doesn't get any better than that. Come on. I want you to think of this like a NASA countdown, the numbers. You know, when there's a... a, a, lift off a rocket being launched what do they do they start at whatever number t minus 100 i'm not going through that whole list let's start at five five everybody's doing it with me five four three two one lift off god gives us about thirty thousand days in this life, that equals 80 if you want to do the math. Okay, I'm just sparing you for those who aren't mathematical. You might say, I'm, I'm 40 years old, I'm in my prime. God's up there saying, you got 14,599 days, 14,998 days before you'll meet me face to face. Hello? My suggestion to all of you is this. You need to do what the Bible says and bear good fruit. You need to plant good seed. And I just described one way to do that. Raise your children in the ways of the Lord. They aren't going to do it on their own, and if you're giving them the choice, Pastor Roger said this years ago, his parents drug him. They drug him to church Wednesday night, Sunday morning, and Sunday night, and probably in between there somewhere. So how do our kids respond to that? Not that well, but that's okay. Okay. The Word will not return void. And our children need to be taught the ways of God. Some of our adults need to be taught the ways of God. But when you begin to bear good fruit, (laughs) then when you meet the Lord, you are going to hear those famous words that all of us want to hear well done good and faithful servant (laughs) philippians 2 10 says this everybody is going to bend the knee everybody whether they said jesus was real on earth or not they're going to say jesus christ is lord It's going to happen. And if you don't do it on this side of heaven before you die and go on to whatever's next, as I understand Scripture, you're not going to hear, well done. You're not going to hear, well done. You're going to hear something else. You can read the next verse. God says, get this wicked and lazy servant out of here. Throw him into that place that's been reserved for Lucifer. Where there's going to be burning and gnashing of teeth. I've been preaching this for years. Figure out what your godly purpose is and do it. Don't deviate from God's plan like King Nebo did. Give God the glory. And if you've done this, or if you haven't done this, I should say, pray and invite the Lord to help you with this, to show you the plan for your life. Otherwise, he may have to send his messenger to nudge you and get you to repent in other ways. But the person who ignores God will eventually face A judgment similar to Nebo. You will be humbled. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, haughtiness before a fall. If you think you can do this life all on your own, you're going to be sadly mistaken one day. If you aren't already. But after seven years of eating grass like a cow, King Nebo finally came to his senses. He began to fear the Lord. Why should I fear the Lord? Why should you fear the Lord? God hasn't tried to make you eat grass. This is from the Amplified. Jesus said this, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Fear the Lord because He's watching you. He's watching me. He wants a good outcome in our lives. He wants to be able to say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. The Lord is watching everywhere, keeping His eye on both the evil and the good. He sees it all, folks. Danger, danger, danger. I say that loosely, Will Robinson. no. no. The Lord is not slack. And here is here's, here's where this danger comes in, I think, and I fear that sometimes people get to that place where they, they've done that little sin for so long that the next one comes easy and the next Well, God hasn't smoked me yet, so it must be okay with Him. No, it is not. If it's condemned in the Bible, it's condemned. It's sinful. And God will not tolerate it. He won't. And God isn't slack. We think, oh, he must have backed off. Maybe he went to the other side of the universe for a while. No. He's patient. But there's going to come a day of reckoning. Or you're going to give an account and if your sins aren't under the blood you're going to pay the price the ultimate price the prophet amos in amos 7 8 said this and and i know this is a book we don't often go to but this is this has to do with the israelites because they had for so long gone and, and began to worship other gods And they thought it was okay because they didn't get annihilated. That was the wrong attitude. And this is what the Lord said through Amos. He said, Amos, what do you see? He answered, a plumb line. How many have ever seen a plumb bob? I I wanted to find one. I couldn't find mine. It's a little metal brass thingy with a little point on it. And believe it or not, this is how they built the uh, plumb. pyramids in egypt that's why they're still today it's so flat level everything stacked on itself and it worked because they had this plumb line gravity is awesome and they had this thing on a string they'd hold it and it would give them the perfect perpendicular line what's that have to do with you plumb means to be straight straight so God is saying to us, I have a plumb line. That's right. And you get off track, you get like this, something's going to happen. And it's not good. He said, I will no longer, say it with me, I will no longer ignore all their sins. As if to imply that He would. Amos saw the plumb line of heaven as it was dropped. If your walls are out of plumb, you need to repent. You can't keep sinning, living a life of sin over and over and over and think, God isn't going to hold me in account. God loves me. Yes, he does. But he provided a way. I always point that way because that's where that big cross is. God provided a way through Jesus Christ his son to be forgiven of your sins. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of those sins and make you a righteous person. But you got to come to him and you got to say, God, (laughs) I messed up. I don't want to eat grass. But I want to be right. And I want to do right by you. Help me. As I begin to close, how do we know if we're out of plumb with God and if we've sinned against heaven? I can't stress this enough. You better get this thing out. What do we call it? The Bible, God's Word, the Holy Scriptures, the anointed words, the Logos. You name it, it's in here. If you want to know how to stay plumb with God, you better dust this off and start eating it. Consuming it. Making it a part of your life instead of watching a 27-day a Netflix binger on some God-forsaken show. Get your Bible out and read so that you'll know what God's plumb line is. Your heavenly Father desires that you have an amazing life. I hope you know that. He wants us to live life to the full. Even Jesus said that. But notice I didn't say He wants us to have an easy life or even a carefree life. Because those things don't make you a good person. A tree that never faces any kind of wind or drought or thunderstorm or hailstorm. What happens? The roots don't go deep. They stay right there, just as close to the tree as they can stay, because they don't need to go any deeper. And then when the real storms come, what happens? You saw that with that last tornado. Not, not that a tornado can't take out a good tree, but a lot of them though, that I saw were like the pine trees, and the whole root system was this close to the surface. Whereas some of these bigger oaks, man, they they go down like 20 feet. The taproot goes down and they go out. I'm digging in my yard and these stupid maple trees and I'm thinking, there's not a tree within 30 feet of here. I'm good. And I dig down a crunch and I'm like, it's got to be a rock. Nope. Stupid tree way over there has got roots way over here. That's how we should be. and Jesus said this one of our favorite Bible quotes Matthew 7, 7 I just love how the address is easy to remember I struggle with addresses some of you know that already Matthew 7, 7 and 8 I remember the scriptures but to remember where they're at sometimes they just are but this one I remember, because I like the number 7. I was born in July, and 7-7 is kind of easy, right? Keep on asking. Say it with me. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks And once you discover what it means to be plumb with God, say plumb with God. plumb with God. Once you discover what that means to be in alignment with His kingdom purpose, that's when you'll experience an open heaven, as Brother Phil has called it. You, you know, you introduced me to that. I, I'd never heard that thought before, an open heaven. And what, it's simple, what it means is simply this. You are so close to God that when you pray, your messenger's right there. He hears it. Boom, he's there. And it's, God's already sent the answer back. A lot of times, a lot of times, God sends the answer for you even pray it. That's an open heaven. That's what it means to be plumb with God. I believe Nebo figured this out. King Nebuchadnezzar figured this out. And he began to give God first place in his life. And I want to end with this. The countdown has begun. The countdown has begun. I'm trying to go there, the next slide, but haven't there we go. The countdown. Say it 1,028. I'm not going to tell you how old that is because age doesn't have anything to do with this. Some people don't get 30,000 days. That's why we can't fool around with this. We want to get it right. Don't let pride or rebellion, and those two go hand in hand, don't let pride or rebellion prevent you from honoring the Lord with your life. Learn to obey God and His Word. Amen. And know this, God has a limit to His mercy. His plumb line is being dropped, according to Amos. And if you're not in line with Him, you're going to be judged. So humble yourself. Say, humble yourself. Turn to God. And ask Him to forgive your life of sin. Then he'll cover you with his blood, the blood of his precious son Jesus, and you'll become his child. 1,027, 1,026, are you ready to hear, well done. Would you stand? I know I went over a little. We had a lot going on today, but I just want you guys to know that God loves you so much. And when he delivers messages like this through me, it's not because he hates you, it's because he loves the daylights out of you. And and how many of us parents, if you've had children, how many of us parents don't get excited when our kids do what we tell them? Come on. It puts a a smile on your face. I was able to share this with somebody the other day, and, and it was like I have four boys that are all serving the Lord, and not everybody can say that. And that's not a boast. I'm not saying that proudly. I'm saying that because I'm so happy. And they're raising their families in the Lord. And my grandkids are being raised in the church where Jesus Christ is King. Who can't get excited about that? So what do you think What do you think your Heavenly Father is feeling when you do things the way He wants you to? The Bible says that when somebody surrenders, when they lay that prideful sin down and they say, God, I can't do it without you. Save me. The Bible says on that day, The angels in heaven are rejoicing. Hallelujah. I can't tell you all the parties going on up there. Every time one and another and another and another come to Christ. Is that you? When your countdown ends, are you going to be prepared? Are you going to be ready to hear those famous words? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Is God going to smile at you and say, come on, son, come on, daughter, enter into paradise? That's what's waiting for us, those who confess Jesus as Lord and live for him. I don't want you to be the other one. I'm not even going to mention that. I just say H-E-double-L, double hockey sticks. You don't want to be that one. You want to be with Jesus. So heads bowed, please. If you're here today and, and you'd say, Pastor, I, I'm not ready. The Holy Spirit's been working on me and I've been resisting. I've been saying no. But I know this is the day. I know I, I need to confess my sin and, and let Jesus do his work in me. I want to be called. A child of God, if that's you today, just lift your hand up. you I want to pray with you here in just a moment. Yes, you, thank you, you can put them up, put them down. Not put them up, you already put them up. you can put them down. Anybody else? do you want to get in on this prayer? listen, I don't know how many days you got left. maybe you've only got a hundred days left. Nobody knows. I want to make sure that everybody in this room and those online, and I don't mean to neglect you, but if you're out there and you're saying, ah, that's me, Pastor. I know it's silly and you may be all alone, but I want you to raise your hand as well. This is between you and God because He knows. You raise your hand right now. You say, yes, Lord, I need you. Now I want to pray, and I want our church family to pray with us. And I always say this, this is between you and God. What happens here is between you and the Lord. What we're going to see next coming out of you is you coming out of your shell. And that's when your testimony is going to be shared with the world to say, I follow Jesus. Next Sunday, we're going to see a bunch of people get in that tank because they publicly are saying, I follow Jesus. But this decision that you're making right now is between you and the King. You and your loving Lord. So when you pray this, I want you to pray it as though He's standing right in front of you, which I believe He is. Because Scripture says where two or more gather in His name, He is here. You pray this prayer and let it come from your heart. And at the end of this, you are going to be what we in the church call born again. Twice born born of spirit, (laughs) God's spirit. Amen? Amen. Are you ready? Church, let's pray. Father, Father. loving Daddy, Daddy. thanks for sending Jesus. Jesus. My Lord, Lord. I I surrender to you today. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and make me a new person cleanse me Lord give me all the tools that I need to live a righteous life in Jesus I surrender everything I have the bad and the good the addiction and all the resources it's all yours I give it to you freely. And I ask you, Lord, to help me get to heaven where I'll hear those words, well done. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would would you give the Lord a hand? God is so good. All right, now what do we do? Go tell somebody your story. That's why you have it. Don't don't hold on to it. Let it go. Yes, Father, bless everybody as they come and go today. Keep them safe, Lord. Keep our families safe. And our children who have been wayward, Lord, we pray you'd bring them back into the kingdom. Those prodigals, Lord, bring them back in the name of Jesus. And bless these folks beyond measure. In Jesus' mighty name, we give you all the glory and all the praise. Amen. Thank you.